Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. I have this body pillow that I take and put up against the wall in front of me Uh on my desk so that it hopefully minimizes the echo. I don't know if it really works, but it just makes me feel better. Does it make you feel secure? Do you ever hug it while we're recording? No. I just stare stare at it. it, Did you draw a face on it? No. Have you thought about drawing a face on it? No. I thought about throwing it away and getting a new pillow, actually, because it's pretty old. Also, I didn't realize you're supposed to wash these pillows, so I haven't washed this in about five or six years. You watch the pillow itself or just the the, the case? No, the, the pillow. It sounds like know. some sort of... Some people have a washer big enough. I don't. I, it sounds like a conspiracy between the pillow makers and the washing machine manufacturers to ruin your pillow and your washing machine. Yeah, it's, a, it's all a conspiracy by big, big wash. Yeah, so then you have to go buy a new, a new one. And then after that, you're like, well, I'm never doing that again, but at least they got you that one time. I mean, once you wash it, it's going to be another... 20 right there. I the can't itself. stop buying washing machine liquid. Somebody help yeah, me. Yeah, this is a turkey shoot. It is a turkey shoot. Speaking of turkey shoots, this is the Trashy Podcast, the show where me and Keith talk about movies that people didn't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? That's it. We talk about movies. Damn, we're talking about the movies you don't like. Hey, it's, what do you what do you hate this movie for? It's movies that you know. What like, this movie ever do to you? People didn't like. People didn't watch at all. Maybe some people watched, but like didn't tell their friends about. Oh man! No, we give you know? we give discarded gems a second chance, and we're we're out to prove once and for all that there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions, mm-hmm. including ours. That's it. See how succinct that was. Yeah, it, I feel you like what? you would have just kept going. <laughs> I would have. It would, it, I'm like the Terminator. I can. I will not be stopped until yeah, I'm. You absolutely complete. will not stop until you've rambled for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, I mean, that's true, and that's what we're talking about today, guys. We're talking. This is Sci-Fi Summer. This is the last installment of the summer, of Sci-Fi Summer, because it's summer is rolling to an end. The we're curtain gonna, gotta, is coming down on science fiction summer, and we're ending. With the darkest outcome possible, a dark fate. We're start. We're kind of starting, ending where we started. We started with Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're ending with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The first movie of Sci-Fi Summer was we ended in light with sci-fi comedy, the movie Junior, and now we're ending heavy because this movie is about machines that are made of metal that, that have weight to them. You know, they walk around. They're heavier than real people. And a bitter and old senior citizen who has nothing but complaints about it. We're talking about... Hates the future, hates technology, and hates you. Terminator Dark Fate. The last installment in the Terminator franchise. Well, how did we we get from the first Terminator to Terminator Dark Fate? It's been a long, strange trip getting here, hasn't it? It has. This seems. To be, this is one of those. Fran- this is one of those first franchises that I think just started. Start. Uh, started ignoring 
previous installments. You know, that's become pretty common where it's just like, we're not going to talk about those. Like, this is a sequel to the first one, not the five that came in between. Or just I mean, the one, the, the ones that you you guys liked right. and complain about online as not being, nothing is quite as good as and the that's, thing that you remember. And there's that's certainly happened in the past here and there. There's franchises that have zero continuity, like James Bond movies, where like it doesn't really connect. Maybe there's a couple here that connect, but like by and large, there's no continuity. This is, I think, one of the, the franchises that really kicked off just like, hey, you know what? We'll make a movie. If people don't like it, we erase it. We'll make another one. If people don't like that one, we'll erase that one from the timeline. It's just like Skynet going back in time to try and change the past, trying to erase John Connor, trying to erase Sarah Connor. That's what this franchise does. It erases installments. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because that would eventually become the theme of the sequels was, oh, uh, because you guys did all this stuff, the future actually didn't quite turn out like you thought it would. And so now it's different. And so it's a different problem. And uh, now we have to deal with it. And they actually hinted at that in the very first Terminator. Because there's a conversation between Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese where uh, they're talking about time travel and... I can't remember what she says, but his line is so like distinct in my memory where he I know says, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he says one possible future. Yeah. And he's like so exhausted talking about time yeah. travel and doesn't like he's just a soldier. He doesn't know how the fuck it all works. He got sent back through time and it's just him and the Terminator and that's all he knows. It's just him, it's me, it's you. I keep you alive. I get rid of the Terminator. And that's it. I don't, beyond that, I don't fucking understand anything. And please do not ask me any more stupid questions. And please, of all things, don't get me arrested and make me have to sit and talk to some kind of criminal psychologist because that is truly the darkest <laughs> fate. <laughs> and unfortunately, that happened. But yeah, it becomes this uh, every sequel after Terminator 2 turns into like, ah, well, you guys, you guys stop Judgment Day, but. Here's the thing. There's a different computer system or a different thing or uh, maybe in Terminator 3, like, actually, you can't stop Judgment Day. It's an inevitability. So we and just need good right. people in leadership positions to make sure humanity doesn't go extinct. So we're recruiting for that position, and that's really what the resistance is all about. It's right. a recruitment uh, firm. They're hunting, hunting for talent. And it's it's kind of this weird balance too because it well it definitely feels throughout the franchise as a whole that that's a you know just a plot device to, as an excuse to keep making Terminator movies. Yet at the same time, it does track with the own logic of the franchise. Whereas these characters go back in time, and that's why you have Terminators to begin with, is because the 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 garbage from the Terminator gets left behind, and then the Skynet uses that garbage to invent Terminators. John Connor sends his own father back in time to impregnate his mother. So if his, if he never goes back in time, he's never born. You know, like the more you fuck with the timeline, the more you just ensure the inevitable, as you said. It's, yeah, it's you're actually, just reinforcing it. There is no fate but what we make. It's kind of like in the second movie we did for this series, which was Predestination, which is another time travel movie, that every time they do something it just ensures the the event that they're trying to prevent will happen time travel exists you can't change the past because you've already gone back in time 
there's such a great moment in Dark Fate where Sarah is crying about John and how she's forgetting what he looks like since he died. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't have any photos of him because she thought that if there was no visual record of him, then they wouldn't be able to find him for right. the future, right? If there's but they no, already have, yeah. Right, but he's already dead. And so now she's just like left. Like she spent all of her time uh, trying to prevent this future and prevent this thing from happening. And it was all for nothing. I mean, just like in the first Terminator, right? Like Sarah, all of her friends are dead. All of her friends are murdered. And for what? For a future that she can't possibly comprehend is like the next phase of her life right being the mother of the future and like training for this apocalyptic event she's just like i'm just a waitress what the fuck now all of everyone in my life is dead including her mother uh Mm -hmm. is killed in that movie and uh and then the only person that was able to communicate this to her this possible future he's dead too so everybody's dead she's literally alone and pregnant yeah and as we head into terminator 2 and And she gets a dog she does get a dog and you always i'm glad you brought up the mom because you kind of always forget about that how like the terminator just like unceremoniously kills the mom off screen and you're just like oh wait yeah she he has killed literally everyone that's actually a chilling scene because he's just like up at her cabin like reading her address book like by the fire and it's like that's such a like a lot of people in recent years have have said that the original terminator is a horror movie and like a slasher and that's one of the scenes that really like drives that that idea home because it's just so chilling and that's where you get introduced to the you know the um the Terminator changing its voice. I think that's a good point. And actually reminds me of something kind of on the, on the offset of that, that someone I was talking to once said, and I kind of always thought about it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's a very interesting concept. Is he, as we are saying, like I've always felt that too, that like the, ter- the first Terminator has this very horror slasher movie vibe, you know, but it's obviously kind of credited as being more of an action movie, which does have tons of action. Then someone I was talking to once said that he didn't like really see slasher movies as horror movies, um, particularly ones that were was just like about like a, a someone who was like stalking, you know, not like not a supernatural entity, but just like a random uh, killer dude. He goes, he goes, those are just action movies, but they're using knives instead of guns. I was like, that's a pretty good or interesting point, you know, so it. There definitely is a little bit of a connective tissue between the action movie and the and the slasher type film. I think so. I think the big difference, though, is the sort of direct confrontation. Right. Right. In a slasher movie, it's the buildup to those confrontations. And uh, there's also a lot of sort of circumventing, right? Yeah. Like characters uh, have events going on around them that they're not aware of. Right. I think- and also like what is the motivation behind the the killing or the stalking, you know? I think in that case, there is a lot of similarities because in action movies, a lot of it is sort of, uh, it's either like rescue or revenge, right? Right. As the, the motivator for the story. But this one, it's, it's that's, I mean, there's rescue in the sense that Kyle Reese is trying to rescue Sarah Connor, but if you look at the Terminator's motivations, the Terminator doesn't actually have motivations. He just has a mission that he doesn't actually care about, you know? 
so in that sense, he is kind of like the emotionless golem esque character of a lot of slashers. You know, Michael Myers. You don't know why he kills. Does he enjoy it? Uh, is you know, there's no there's no known motivation. The Terminator is the same way that he has no personal stake. He doesn't feel one way, at least in the first one, doesn't feel one way or the other. He just has to complete jo- the job and he won't feel satisfaction or regret at the end of it. Well, and in a, or, in a, in a similar fashion to Michael Myers, the Terminator, right, can't be reasoned with or bargained with or right. convinced otherwise. Right. There, it's literally just a straight line between them and their end game. Or so we think, because we get some different ideas presented in Dark Fate. Yeah, surprisingly, Dark Fate, like, this was my second watch of Mm -hmm. Dark Fate, and I actually found myself enjoying it a lot more. And I think that's sort of the story of, like, the last few years for me, is, like, Mm -hmm. having an initial, like, gut reaction to these movies because they weren't what I wanted as far as, like, sequels. But then watching them again and being like, you know what, actually... These the a lot of these newer sequels are revisiting old ideas and have uh, connections to past movies. That if you're too upset about some other aspect or detail of the movie, it's going to go right over your head. Yeah, I mean, I think watching these sequels. I mean, I've seen some of them are just objectively bad, in my opinion. I think Terminator uh, Three is really bad. Uh, Terminator Salvation is really bad. Then we get to Terminator Genesis. And I remember I went into that movie with such low expectations, like incredibly low expectations. And then while watching it, I found myself kind of pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed the overall premise of it, like how just like the amount of just like time travel where they just can't stop time traveling in this singular movie. And it's just like, it's just, it's just like everything is just like, it keeps happening. It's like, okay, we got time travel here and we got, and then we'll time travel again here. And it almost reminded me almost of like a back to the future part two. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, oh shit, we just time traveled too much. We got to time travel again. I'm like, that made it worse. Let's do it again. And then the, you know, the J.K. Simmons character about like the one cop who saw a Terminator who's obsessed with chasing Terminators is really cool. So the premise of it and stuff really, I think, is a good follow up. Upon second watch, it didn't really keep its steam for me. It was like, okay, I was winning with such low expectations um, that I was surprised, pleasantly surprised and like enjoyed certain aspects of it. But there's enough bad stuff where I'm like, this movie's not great. I don't hate it by any means, but I think it's okay. But I don't think it's that good. And then because of that, I went into Dark Fate with incredibly low expectations. And that one I was more than pleasantly surprised. I like actively like this movie. It's, is it as good as the first Terminator or Terminator 2? No. But there's there's so much good going on that the the weaker parts just kind of like don't even really matter to me that much. You know, like I said, it keeps it from being in the same level as the first two, but it's a, still a worthy follow-up in my opinion. I agree with some of the things you said. I think it's pretty universally agreed upon that Terminator 3 is not a good movie because it's mm-hmm. it's it tries to be funny and it's not. Uh, the action isn't particularly great aside from like one scene. The the advanced Terminator is over-designed and gimmicky. And also it's like, how is it actually different from another, from the Liquid Terminator Like, other than it just has like buttons coming out of it at times? It's also running around in heels. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
that's still good. That's something that Hollywood can't get over. I get that an advanced machine would be able to like perfectly navigate that, but it's like it's very silly. Like, yeah. Uh, the I th- also think the female Terminator was like way too attractive conventionally. Right. Like you, you could have got someone who was more interesting looking than, and like, why would a? I mean, maybe a machine would design it that way. Uh, as sort of a, a, you know, distraction type tactic, or I don't know, like it's. Well, if you recall, that seems the... like the design of a person, like the the, the right. idea of a, a person and not a machine. If you recall, one of the female Terminator's powers, specific powers in this movie, is her ability to change the size of her breasts, uh, to to depending on whether or not she thinks the man she's dealing with is going to like small breasts or larger breasts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, this is the level of Terminator innovation we're dealing with in this movie. See, that's the thing is if that movie had come out in like the late eighties or early nineties, that actually might've been like, that might've flown here. It, yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it's just a bad gag. Yeah. The ending is cool of like, Oh, judgment day was inevitable. Sorry. You didn't know. Uh, my mission was to just keep you alive inside this mountain, you stupid dummy. The one thing I do like about it, at least in conception, is the fact that, like in this one, John Connor is kind of just a, a washed-up drug addict. Oh, yeah, he's all fucked up from... Because he's been told his whole life is about this one thing, you know, and about being this great leader and, like, leading an army, but then because they prevented Judgment Day, his life has no meaning anymore. You yeah, know? how is he supposed to just, like, get a job and, like... Yeah, be a normal peaked, guy. He you can't even like age... go to therapy and talk right. about this, right? They'll be like, "Yeah, oh, let's put you on some fucking schizophrenia medication." He peaked at age twelve, and now his <laughs> the rest of his life is just utterly meaningless. Which is fucking wild because the same exact thing happened to Edward Furlong. Right. That is a nutty. I mean, I wonder if he bring... ever watched that movie and was like, I mean, they didn't even bring him back for that movie he was like i watched some behind the scenes thing that was like oh they couldn't bring they wanted to bring him back for this but he was like and and actually they might have done some things with him but then he was like showing up like you know fucked up or something like that oh yeah well should we before we get too much more into the meat of this should we like give people like a rundown of what terminator dark fate premise is if you if they haven't seen the movie and also like Keep in mind, there's spoilers abound in this episode. Well, I have a couple. I have a couple thoughts to share on the subsequent Terminator sequels. So, Terminator Salvation. That's yeah. That's the one after. Oh God. Uh, Rise of the Machines. I don't know who cooks up these names. There's so many. There's the Crow Salvation, Terminator Salvation. I think there's a, the Prophecy Four Salvation. Yeah. Like, it's just so cheap, and it's just like when that movie came out. You're like, if you told me, you have five guesses to guess what the next Terminator movie is, like subtitle is. I bet you I could have guessed that one. Like out of five, I would have come up with Salvation. Yeah, I would have. My first one would have been like Terminator Resurrection. Yeah, you know, that would have been my first one. Uh, Reborn, I would have said that too. Yeah, Rebirth. Uh, time crisis, and then I would have guessed uh, time to salvation. Ki- time to kill, and two yeah. is the number two. <laughs> yes, or time. Oh yeah, time I w- four I w- kill. 
I would have thrown in so many numbers and like uh, colons. That, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm glad I, that they didn't use a number on this one uh, because it exists outside of the mm-hmm. the sort of the main series. I think that's actually the strongest part of Salvation is it it sort of exists adjacent to this series. It's like, here's a story in this world, but it doesn't really have any implications on the main uh, story through this series that you're concerned about. And it's also like, it's one of the things that we've always been curious about, like the future war and the actual fighting of the machines, which we get glimpses of, but it's never been a focus of that. So it's like, everyone's always curious, like, oh, I wonder what that's like. What's really going on? What's this battle with the machines like? You don't know how much you actually want it until you get it. And then it's like, it's like eating a bunch of candy and or eating an entire cake and then getting like a really bad stomach ache and you're like oh i actually didn't want an entire cake maybe those little slices of the future war that we got were the perfect amount yeah i mean they definitely were like sometimes ambiguity ambiguousness is better and stuff like this i still think you could have made a good movie on this subject they just didn't i think it's it's well made enough uh, the effects and the action is good enough that it's it's a fun one to just put on and look at. But yeah. Yeah, as far as the story, it's like uh, they almost had something. The idea of a, a Terminator who thinks it's human. You know what I mean? Like the perfect infiltration right. unit because it doesn't know it's a robot is pretty intriguing. But yeah, it doesn't really, really pan out. At this point, too, though, it's kind of like I get tired of and we'll get to this, I think, in Dark Fate 2 not to the same degree, but I was like, I get tired of like the constant having to one up themselves, you know, where it's like you have Terminator and then you have Terminator two with the liquid Terminator and it's crazy and it's a new idea. And it's obviously so much more powerful and a bigger adversary than the regular Terminator. And then after that, they're like, well, how are we going to top that Terminator? And like, and the answer is you really can't, or if you, or, be, or you can make a creative variation on it, but you can't really like do anything that is, is as wild of a transition. So they just come up with these new Terminators that, like you said, the the one in Rise of Machines, it just feels like gratuitously different. It doesn't even feel like a different thing. It's just like, oh, it's changed sort of. No, and that's where this, you, you sort of prove to everyone that in some cases a formula works, right? right? Like uh, say Predator, right? The, the formula for Predator is, works because you take the sequel predator 2 it's exactly the same you just changed Mm -hmm. a few details and Mm -hmm. it works right the structure and everything else is is the same and it's completely fine and you could keep bouncing around doing that and it probably wouldn't get old old west predator uh antarctic predator 1970s russia predator yeah you'd have to have some level of like you know different character dynamics and whatnot but to, to keep it like not feeling like a complete rehash, but yes, your point your point like holds true that like you can do the same thing sometimes repeatedly. But in this case, you can't because it's, right. it's technology and it's inferred that you have to have right. The Terminator Two was the T one thousand was an advanced prototype, right? So you can explain right. that away like this is a one off, right? Exactly, and it's you know in the in the original Terminator it was man versus machine. How can they win? Now it's Machine versus, uh, you know, outdated machine versus advanced machine. How can they win? But the, right. like, that's kind of the ceiling. Like, where else do you go from there? Right. And technology well, like, is weird because you can go two routes. You can go the the slick, efficient, clean, 
simple and elegant route, or you can go the heavy industrial meat and potatoes route, mm-hmm. right? And that's pretty much it. There isn't really any other sort of look and feel in which to present technology. Yeah. And so like, that's like, you're kind of done. There's, there's yeah, exactly. Any, anything else just seems like. Sometimes it would feel like it would be more effective to go back one. And, and you know, like they said, it's an experimental prototype. So then why not in Rise of the Machines, the third one, they just send back another T-800, you know? Yeah. Inst- instead of this a new, extra new experimental prototype after the last one, you know? Well, that's what you get to see in Salvation a little bit. I mean, there's some of these goofy, like, transforming motorcycle guys and all that, which right. that doesn't seem like. That's another, again, that seems like a design choice a person would make mm-hmm. and not a machine. But then you get to see the the previous iterations of the Terminators that are just, like, the big, hard-headed, like, construction site equivalent of a Terminator. Just, like, right. it needs to be able to carry big guns and kill a lot of people. Right. And then they're, you know, developing the infiltration unit. So that's that's kind of cool to see. But that's why I think Genesis actually is one of my favorite sequels because they didn't really try to do that aside from, you know, tweaking the T-1000. But it's it's having so much fun with that time travel concept. Like, it becomes this, like, calamity. It's like, like you said, whoa, we've traveled back too many times, and now it's just, like, everything's all fucked up and crazy and we're showing up and revisiting scenes from previous movies and intervening in those. And it's a lot of fun. They're having a lot of fun and the action is really good. Genesis is an easy one to enjoy despite whatever problems you, uh, you know, purists might have with it. I think they had enough fun with the, the setup and the idea in that movie that you can just kind of throw expectations out the window. I mean, redoing the, the the alley chase and the when Kyle Reese gets the shoe the Nike shoes and the jacket and like it's silly mm-hmm. and stupid and fun it really is like I'm totally fine. <laughs> having the pops Terminator show up and fight himself and that part's great I mean there's there's definitely I'm like I said like there's definitely parts of this movie that I think of Genesis that I think are great uh, I still think it's a good movie like I'll you know I'll I'm not saying it's bad it's I'm just saying it like it lost steam for me on the on the second viewing, like the part, like the parts you're mentioning, like got me amped up and I'm being like, wow, this is so much better than I anticipated. And then it just kind of, but that, that, ex, that part has waned for me over time. One, the, the, the big twist of John Connor sort of becoming. It's such a good idea, but I don't think it's handled very well. Oh, it's so, it's so, such a schlocky sci fi. Like, oh no, the savior of mankind has turned evil. He's on the side of the machines. Or maybe he's this ascended being that's beyond all of this. He's a god. Like, that's right. (laughs) It doesn't work. I just wish they hadn't blown it in the trailer. I I wonder what it would have looked like if everyone had gone in, like, not knowing that. Because it definitely would have been better as a surprise. For Dark sure. Fate has some surprises that yes. I was fucking floored by, and I'm so glad that I didn't get spoiled in a trailer. Yeah, absolutely. With some of that 100%. stuff. 100%. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So this, so I saw Dark Fate in the theater. I watched it again recently for this for this viewing, and it, yeah, it held up for me completely. Well, and so where, 
Where are we at in terms of the Terminator saga at this so, point? This is a direct sequel. Dark Fate's a direct sequel to Terminator 2. So right. we're skipping all of the nonsense. Right. So the same way Genesis skipped everything after 2, this one's skipping everything after 2 as well. It's a, it's a, it's a racing Genesis. It's like, get from, out of the way, Genesis. We're actually the, the real sequel over here. And then we, we, we know that this one's it's a new story. We got multiple Terminators going on in this timeline. There's a new savior of humanity because they did eventually stop Skynet, but it didn't stop the robot takeover. It found a new life. Yeah, the original Judgment Day was avoided, but somehow Mm -hmm. that gave rise to an inevitable rise of machines trying to eradicate humanity which and later on they start talking about uh one of the terminators starts talking about probabilities of these things occurring and probabilities of just like humanity collapsing regardless of (laughs) of a robot takeover and so that kind of really works and makes sense to like why we keep retreading this but there's a new one there's a new savior sarah connor's still around um she is old and bitter and no goddamn fun at all as you mentioned earlier, John Connor has passed away. We'll get to how shortly. Um, and then there's a, there's a new Terminator sent back to kill the new savior, who is a young lady. Um, I can't remember her character's name. Uh, Danny. Danny. And then there is also an old Terminator who's been hanging around. And there's a new character, the new... Uh, the new protector. First, first new protector, which is a enhanced human. Which is like it's just a character like a cyborg. She's human, born human, but she has implants and has super strength and agility and senses. Which sounds upon premise. If you pitch this idea to me, I'd be like, oh, "This is so corny. Like, why can't it just be a regular person? Like, you're doing the same thing. You're trying keep trying to one up yourself." But I think the execution of it is very well done. I think. Uh, uh, Mackenzie Davis, who plays the character, is fucking awesome in the role. I think she's pretty great too, and I can't. I hope to see her in more action roles. Yeah. However, I do have one small complaint. There mm-hmm. are some scenes throughout the movie where she makes some supremely goofy, like Muppet faces, like she, <laughs> like she's in like a Nickelodeon sitcom or something. And I'm just like, it's hard not to just stop and laugh because they really stick out. I didn't but notice she, this, and I, I want to watch this again with that in mind. Oh, God. She makes one that, like, I have the face remembered. I'll send you a photo of it. Okay, yeah. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, she she's mostly great. And I'm sort of on the fence about her kind of vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, physically. Uh, like, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. Uh, like, I, I think it makes sense, and I, I think you want to keep certain characters from being too overpowered. But Are you talking about like the thing where she just kind of like, she's addicted to like fucking like corn syrup or something. She has to yeah, inject like like, herself. Like they made her diabetic, kind yeah. of, and and that makes sense because you can't be like oh well, not actually just... diabetic, but like she like has like these surges of like what it would essentially looks like a diabetic shock, you know? Yeah, she has to inject herself with this cocktail of like different drugs and chemicals in order to kind of keep her systems from failing and so i really like that part it makes it like it it provides a natural um vulnerability to like instead of her just being 
like too powerful or too much of a badass. It does, but it the results are just like, oh, well, we got it to her in time, or oh, it, yeah. she's she's slowing down right as the the evil Terminator is is bearing down upon everybody. It's like it kind of just perhaps, results in the same old stuff. Perhaps a little too convenient, but I do think things like that are important because you don't want it to be like a Steven Seagal movie where Steven Seagal is untouchable. Yes. You know, yes. like he, no one can land a blow on him. So it's like there's never any uh, tension or conflict because you know that. I mean, ultimately, many of these movies, you know, the good guys are going to win usually. Uh, but like when there's literally no question about who's going to win this even individual fight, you know, yeah. like Steven, he, he doesn't even lose a fight in the middle of the movie to come back. You know, it's just like, nope, every fight he's going to win. You well, know, it's that, like in that one Steven Seagal movie, I think it's uh, uh, marked for death. He uh, he gets uh, killed and put into a coma. There, I mean, definitely in maybe in some of his earlier movies, like stuff like that happens. But like by the time you get to uh, Under Siege, <laughs> like, he refuses to have a blow landed upon him, you yeah. know? Yeah. I'm surprised he let Tommy Lee Jones even get get a shot or two in on him yeah that was probably like an accident in the choreography and they just put it in and editing it's like okay we he got hit we'll put it in just won't tell him yeah and he's like guys what is this (laughs) i I never agreed to this what happened i like her character a lot i like especially like her in the role sarah connor's back still killing terminator still kicking ass her entrance into the movie (laughs) is pretty great Oh, yeah. I mean, her entrance is almost like an entrance of a Terminator. Yeah, and I mean, she even gets the line. You know, she right. gets to say, I'll be back. Right. There, There's a lot of that in this movie. And, like, I'd say, like, eight or nine times out of ten, it, it was done pretty well for that kind it's of, like... It's much more organic than just, like, the forced callbacks. Yeah. there, There's a couple later on. I think kind of towards the end of their visit to Carl's house where I was mm-hmm. kind of rolling my eyes. But for the most part, that stuff is pretty on the money, which is impressive Much, because it's yes. hard not to fall flat on your face with that kind of like fan service. I mean, particularly when it's said like so many times throughout all the movies, you know, and it's just like, like, yep, we get it. He, they say these lines, I'll come with me if you want to live. I'll be back, you know, like, yeah. Like, we get it. Like, you know, it's it'd be a bigger twist if they didn't say it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Like, hand, like it works in, like, the way it's written into the script and also in the delivery. Like, when she says, I'll be back, it's, it's casual enough that it, like, you could almost miss that it's a callback. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because her delivery you know what is I mean? completely different. Absolutely. And there's no sort of, I. it's a credit to the shot selection, too, right? Because it... When you want to emphasize something, right, you, you do a, a tight, like, close-up shot. And in most cases, right. when those lines get delivered, it is a close-up. And it's like, oh, here we go. But then this is, like, this is, like, a nice, like, medium shot. And it's, like, right in the middle of an action scene. And uh, they immediately cut away to something else. Like, it's not, they're not lingering on it right. so that it becomes sort of gratuitous. So, I mean, that's the basic premise. You know, it's it's... Uh, classic Terminator plot line, like coming back, gotta stop some shit. Gotta yeah, there's kill some a people. there's a savior. There's uh, uh, an advanced Terminator model on the hunt, um, and there's a protector, 
and then there's also Sarah Connor in the mix, which I I think also treads on the border of getting a little too bloated and is kind of too much in in some cases. But um, I I get that they also wanted to, they wanted to kind of do the connective tissue with the previous stories and then kind of set it up for something new. Yeah. So there is a, there is a lot of legwork to be done and, for the most part, it's handled pretty well. I was surprised watching this a second time with how well it worked on a second viewing. Mm-hmm. After I got over my initial reaction of like, oh, that's not what I hoped it was or that's not right. what I wanted. Well, yeah, and I think like even though this we have this pretty like classic Terminator setup, there's enough new ideas and characterizations that are added that make this work. And don't get me wrong, this movie has... Good hand sh- share, handful of flaws. One really big one, in my opinion. We'll get to. I will definitely get to those later. But just want to talk about the good first, for sure. Uh, let's talk about the first like uh, thirty seconds of the movie. Uh, it's yeah. fucking awesome. With the the all you need to catch you up on the story is mm-hmm. the classic Terminator Two interview footage of when right. uh, Sarah is at the. Uh, Pascadero Mental Institute kind of recounting what's going to happen when Judgment Day right. happens. And it's sort of intercut with the the opening logos and all that shit uh, mm-hmm. with like a, a cool like uh, uh, video filter over it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It lays it all out for you in such a serious way. Like it feels like the stakes are high. Yes. And then when it instantly like dissolves... Or I guess not instantly. It's a slow dissolve to the next scene where it's just a sand and waves lapping up, slowly pushing away, like the sand to reveal a human skull, and then Terminators rising out of the ocean. Like that's that scene is pretty fucking cool, and it's only just for a few seconds, but it's pretty fucking cool. And it's something we haven't seen before in the Terminator series, uh, them coming out, you know, invading a beach, and it's yeah. also. It feels as fresh as it did when Star Wars did it in uh, Rogue One, right? Mm-hmm. That was the big hype around that movie, or, or part of the big hype was like, look at all this, the stormtroopers on the beach, and you know they're using flamethrowers. And right, and like that. it looked like, looking like an actual war, you know? Yeah, exactly, and just a different look and context to to everything. Like it, it feels fresh, and you're only with it for a short time, right? They don't they don't overdo it immediately, like. Yeah. You snap out of it. Well, and it's, it establishes tone so much because, like you said, there's the, the little flashback scene of Sarah Connor, like, describing the, you know, doomsday. And then it instantly cuts to just gray sand, so this dark bleakness. And as that sand washes away, we see a human skull, like, the death she's spoke, speaking of. And then we see all the fucking Terminators that she's warning, warning everyone about. When it really speaks to, like, this is the stuff that you might know already, but things are different. Right. It's it's the same, but yeah. it's not the same. And then we cut to another scene, which really kind of gets the story rolling. And there's a lot of like like shocking and well-executed effects. And it's kind of like this, the opening scene, like the, I mean, the part and then this first part of the actual story, like really kind of set the ball rolling for me. This is the biggest spoiler of all. So if you yes. want to if you want to go into this movie blind, if you haven't seen Terminator Dark Fate, shut this off right now or like skip ahead a couple minutes and uh and go do that because arguably yes. the most important thing in the movie. All right, so you've been warned. 
So what happens is right after that little intro title sequence, we cut to with the story, Sarah Connor, flashback scene, Sarah Connor, young Sarah Connor and John Connor. It's after T2. They're chilling in Mexico. They're like drinking some drinks on the beach at this little cabana. And then a Terminator walks around the corner. Disguised in vacation wear. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Comes around the corner with a shotgun and murders John Connor. He's dead. They, there wasn't he, the T 1000, the Robert Patrick liquid terminator. That was not the only terminator they sent back in that go. They sent a bunch. That was just the one that got to him first. So there's been other terminators looking for him, found him and kills him. And that's, that's how we get, get the story going. And part of the, the, one of the most interesting pieces of this is what happens after the terminator completes its mission. Yes, which comes up later and is such a great story development. But I want to talk too about just the effects in this scene, because obviously this is a they they did the digital de aging of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and like I assume they I mean it was a kid so they just put a full CGI face on some other kid's body for uh, John Connor. This is some of the best of that I've ever seen, ever, and it's brief. They're not there's there's little. There's no dialogue other than like someone yelling like no and screaming. So there's not a lot of like talking back and forth, uh, things to give it away. But still, like it's it's executed so well, though. I remember when we saw this, me and Francis, when we saw this in the theater, like after we left, Francis goes, was like that a deleted scene from the first movie of like or like uh, a dream sequence from the first movie that they cut out or an alternate ending? And... Like never in her mind did it cross did it cross her mind that this was CGI because it was so believable. I was like, no, that was a CGI. That was those were computer effects that make them look young. And she like absolutely like blown away. Couldn't believe it. It it is unbelievable, and I am not comfortable with that at all. I find yeah. I find that di- digital de aging stuff to be just extremely concerning, and like the 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 broader applications of that. Uh, I think that that is one of the signs that we are, and I may sound like a fucking kook here, but that is one of the signs to me that we're in the future, and it's uh. that that part of the future where it's like it's a little scary. Yeah, and so I'm not, you know, I know they did it in Star Wars and some other uh, movies. I'm not a fan. I think you can get around it and you can do other things. I don't think it's is- necessary from a, I, a moral standpoint but uh yes it is it is pretty dazzling the as as well as they were able to execute it here some of the best if not the best uh i've ever seen maybe the only one that's a little bit more seamless than this is is samuel jackson in the captain marvel movie but he already looks you know fairly young for his age so they had to do minimal de-aging to him to transplant him back to, to the way he looks yeah. in the 90s. You know, it wasn't like, I mean, there's a lot more going on with making Arnold or Linda Hamilton look younger. Yeah, definitely. And actually, probably Arnold looks the dodgiest here. Yeah. there There's some kind of funky stuff with his jowls. Well, I, I know for a fact that, so I think Linda Hamilton was on set playing the role that for that, but they had to use a body double for Arnold because right. Arnold's not as big as he used to be. No, nor his, his body shape has changed quite a bit. So it's so it's a body double, and then they're digitally placing a youngified version of his face 
onto a head that's not exactly the same. Now, while maybe it doesn't look 100% like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it looks 100% like a real person, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, in terms of just, like, realism, it's flawless. Now, that being said, there's a lot of great CGI in this movie. There's some... It's kind of spotty at times, too, which is kind of surprising how good it can be and how okay it can be at other times. It's never bad. I mean, I think where it needed to be its best, it was. Yeah. Specifically the Rev-9 Terminator's liquid counterpart. Oh, yeah. some of the most impressive effects work. And it puts, uh, as far as like a black liquid taking on form, it puts Venom to shame. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not even close. Like it makes Venom look Bush League. I think, yes, I agree. And I think some of the spotty CGI has to do more with stylistic choices rather than like rendering, you know. Well, and also like the, uh, you know, they do the, the, you know, unnatural sort of leaping. That's what I was talking about. To great like, height. And that always looks, the, the it's m- like movements when you, when, never work When out. you jump and you're accelerating on as you go up. Like if you're jumping, I don't care what you, if you're a robot or whatever, the fastest you're going should be the initial sp- spot of the jump. Yeah. And that's, and I, agree, and, I, and I agree, that's where I think where it looks sketchy is in those stylistic choices, not necessarily the rendering of the effect itself, you know? No, all, across the board, the effects and the action sequences in this movie are like top shelf. Oh, Absolutely they're so good. Tier. Even the ones like towards the end, they get a, a little bloated, but, and, but even that stuff on the airplane is like really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's great. And then you, you do have a new Terminator in the Rev-9, which is, as we were just complaining about the upgrading of the, the, the of the Terminators. But this one, I think, is definitely the best upgrade since the first Liquid Terminator. It's the one that I think works the best. So it's a, a metal endoskeleton with a sort of a liquid metal or nanotech symbiote uh, layer over it, essentially. So it can, it's got a robot core, and then it's also got a liquid form, and they can work in tandem. And while that creates some, like, really creative kind of situations, again, I think this was just over-designed, and I don't know that a machine would think in this way. It seems really inefficient, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't strike me as something a computer would cook up. It seems like uh, something a creative person would cook up. Well, it's also like I agree with you, and like the opening of the movie says, like, like we said, like, oh, there was actually more than one Terminator that they sent. We thought we got them all, but there was another one, at least at least one more, just hanging around, and yeah. that's why they was able to kill John. Why not? Well, I think a much better way. Like I said, I do agree. I do agree with you, but I do still think it's one of the best redesigns since the Liquid Terminator. Why not just send a squad? You know, like a team. Like, why don't like instead of having this one Terminator that can turn into two Terminators, sort of, why not send three Terminators that are working, you know, in unison together? Yeah, in terms of increasing the probability of success, which is that's a specific quote from the movie. Yeah. Wouldn't that make more sense than, yeah, creating this overly complicated, right, machine? And it's, it's the one thing, we, and it's one thing that we haven't genuinely haven't seen is like a terminator hit squad you know 
It's like it's the gang from Predator, from Predator, except instead of like heroic commandos, they're evil Terminators. Um, that being said, another thing I think where this Terminator is successful in its redesign is not in just it's not its physical redesign, but its character redesign. As in, this Terminator is much more unassuming upon glance than the other Terminators and a lot more uh, has the ability to be kind and generous and humorous when it needs to be as a means of infiltration rather than just like, give me what I want right now. I mean, I think that's a fairly similar design from the T-1000. Like Robert Patrick's performance was very much like when he wasn't talking to anybody, he was in full on like, you know, patrol mode. Yes. And then when he was interacting with people, he was able to be like, oh, I'm a polite police officer. And hey, your kid sure is good looking, wink, and all that yeah. stuff. I think that, I, that wasn't so, too far off. Maybe it's more in the casting because like Robert Pattinson is still like this intense, uh, you know, you know, like you wouldn't be hanging out with this guy and be totally comfortable no matter how nice he was being to you if you just met him. You know, it's like this guy's kind of extreme, you know, like he has this intense uh, look to him. And this and uh, uh, I think the actor's name is Diego Luna, who plays this new Terminator, just kind of has like a nice face and like seems like a kind guy. Uh, so I guess there's a more of a contrast between those two things when he's um, going from infiltrating and being friendly and funny to I'm going to kill you. I definitely don't think he's as iconic as Robert Patrick or obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. No, I, I, and that's a great point. Cause like, if you look at him like in a vacuum, like in stills and on promotional materials and, and action figures and things like that, he doesn't quite capture like the same kind of like, Oh wow. Look at him. A kind of, situation but to your point there are some really great scenes like later on in the movie he runs into those uh texas sheriffs or whatever after the border the assault at the border facility and he does a great like the way he performs that scene of like oh hell brother i was i sure was praying uh more times than i ever prayed in my life and say you fellas uh know where i can get a helicopter like right. his his way of sort of mirroring and and predicting uh, the the best probability of success in interacting right. with them by you know being like religious and like a good old boy and all that right was, that that's was what I'm cool. saying yeah or even like later on like where he's you know like in the other Terminators the Terminators just make demands like give me the girl give me the boy you know yeah whatever. they're very heavy handed he like towards the end he's bargaining with. The protector, like Grace, uh, the Mackenzie Davis's character, uh, Sarah Connor, and the other Terminator, he's like bargaining with them. He's just like, "I'm gonna win. Like, why not just hand her over to me, and you guys can go and live your lives. I don't have to kill you, but I will." You know? Yeah. Which in, in the other ones, it's just like, just just do it. You know? Like. Yeah, I feel like, like that's said, a modern, a very modern take. Like that's more kind of akin to like an American psycho or like a, you know, like a sociopath type right. uh, delivery. Yeah, and, but yeah, so like not as iconic as those two, but unquestionably my favorite new Terminator since the T-1000. 
Yeah, and it definitely, like, the endoskeleton portion of it looks really cool, and the transformation effects on the liquid are unbelievable. Yeah. And some yeah, of the, the movements and action sequences where it's sort of, they're, like I said, they're working in tandem. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, the endoskeleton's attacking from here, and the liquid version is over here doing something weird. Uh, it's actually pretty innovative. Yes. But d- we could have d- done despite this. my dislike for... The like complicated the nature of the yeah. design, yeah. But you could have, you that, to that point, you could have done the same thing if it was just like three Terminators that were sent back together that shared a hive mind, you know? Yeah. And maybe they're different, right? They're like a Three Stooges Terminator. Right. One, <laughs> yes. is, one is like short and fat, and one is like tall and skinny. And one is well, wearing you know, like a hat. That is, I mean, yeah, I know you're making a joke, but also to the point of it being like an infiltration unit, so originally, uh, uh, I've watched an interview with James Cameron from a while back talking about his original ideas for the first Terminator. And his very first ter- idea was a liquid Terminator that could shape shift into different people and be an old lady and uh, whatever. And he goes like, oh, but the technology wasn't there. So he scrapped that idea and he's like, well, let's have it be like a more regular guy, like a cipher type character who can blend in. So the first person cast as the Terminator was Lance Hendrickson, the most yeah. regular looking guy in the world. Yeah, probably a lot closer to uh, Kyle Reese. Yeah. Right, in stature and build and things like that. I mean, like somewhat sarcastic when I say the most normal looking guy, but... No, I mean, he's got yeah. the bug. But like, he's in the first Terminator. And back That's then, true. he probably looked the most normal of his career. That's true. He didn't look as intense. Uh, but then, like, he and yeah, recasting it with Arnold Schwarzenegger and giving Lance Hendrickson a different role. But this one, this Terminator definitely is the one who just kind of blends in the most. So maybe he's not as iconic looking as a villain, but narratively as what his character is supposed to do, it works very well. You know, isn't that funny, though? Like, going back to James Cameron's comments, if he had jumped ahead to that liquid Terminator right out of the gate... He would have shot himself in the foot. Yeah. It, it certainly do do the next would one? not have been as brilliant as the first two Terminators turned out if he would have already started at that point. Totally. Yeah. You wouldn't have, you would have nowhere to go. And like, yeah. And that's yeah. where like necessity becomes the mother of invention, right? Mm-hmm. And like you get this sort of timeless setup of like, here's just a regular guy uh, having to fight a tank, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. And how how is totally. he going to survive? He's going to have to be clever. He's going to have to be fast. He's going to have to out use human ingenuity in order to outsmart this machine. Versus like if it had been like a liquid Terminator right out of the jump, uh, nobody would have bought it. Right. It would have been like no way he could. He would have gotten killed right five minutes in. Right. Yeah, it works. It works really. That definitely was the the greatest of like happy like i don't want to say happy accidents but like happy setbacks to yeah, like what, the, what your plans are yeah yeah and that's sort of like having restrictions and this mm-hmm. this idea of like oh if you can do any what's the phrase uh when anything is possible nothing is interesting right which is what is the fallback you know when people complain about cgi it's not because cgi is inherently bad but it's just because CGI has opened up this world where in action movies or fantasy movies that they, like there's that there's no limits or at least no, no seeming limits. So then uh, you remove the stakes, you know? Yeah. 
because like well, for what exactly you just said there's too much going on it's like why do these two characters if these two characters are having a fist fight on a building that's also collapsing you know and being taken away by a tidal wave well the fist fight isn't interesting anymore because uh there's something much larger going on but the fist fight is where the emotional core is but that just gets washed away even the like the human characters which could easily be they're not all that interesting but you get danny and her family are living in mexico city they work Mm -hmm. at a, a auto manufacturing plant they're just like normal people right she makes breakfast for everybody her dad she's taking care of her brother and her dad uh her dad seems like a nice guy. Her brother's kind of a goof, but he's funny. There's nothing abrasive or unlikable about them right out of the gate. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go to work. She's always looking. She's looking out for her brother who's going to get fired from his job because uh, he's kind of a dummy, but not in like an annoying way. And like, it's mm-hmm. all it's all very pleasant. And I like the backdrop of Mexico City uh, just as kind of something new and different. And like a, a look and it, you know, pays off later with them having to cross the border into Texas, you know, that's kind of a cool setup versus yes. it being like LA or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it all works. And the, the Danny character, I guess there's like a, a semi twist to it where at first, like the assumption is, or at least Sarah Connor's assumption is like, oh, you're the new me. You're going to give birth to the new John, like the John Connor stand in. You know? I love that Sarah kind of sounds like a bitter old fan. Oh yeah. I mean, she, uh, but- she is really abrasive and like, I kind of mm-hmm. find myself like being like, okay, I get it. Like you're fucking burnout and you've had it with this shit. That's great. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, now I'm looking back at it. I'm like, Oh, like that's kind of like an F you to like all the, the haters. It's pretty yeah. funny. Oh, totally. Totally. And then, but yeah, then you find out that Danny is actually the the leader of the future army herself. And that's why. Yeah. And I don't think that's as big of a reveal as they kind of no. build it up to be. It do, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't it, really it's land. It's like fairly as obvious that that's, yeah. that's the point. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a minor thing. I think there are a bit, there is a bigger issue with that kind of character arc that I'll talk to. Like once again, I'll talk about the stuff that doesn't work later, but by and large, all that stuff works. But where this movie... Hold on. Before you get into hmm. like some uh, lofty, well-thought-out point, I yes. love that they they just tweaked some of the, the minor stuff just to, uh-huh. just to be different. Like when, the, when Grace and the Rev-9 arrive via their time bubbles... Mm-hmm. They don't they don't just show up on the ground. Grace arrives in the fucking middle of a bridge and falls like 40 feet to the ground and then the Rev-9 uh, actually arrives in a very location specific like right in the middle of uh their apartment, like right in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Uh but still like up in the air and like he f- falls like a decent amount of uh distance to the ground. So that's just kind of interesting uh spin on you know the classic like oh they just landed right on on the ground uh in totally random spots well yeah because if you're putting people back in time and you're transporting them from the future to the past like what building are you in though obviously that building building may not have existed uh before so you're going to land in a certain place that that wasn't there at the same time yeah you, know? you can't like, necessarily like account for like sea level or like ground yeah. level like yeah. I, I don't believe that's possible, regardless of how advanced the technology. Is. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's little cool things like that. There's a lot of like little character stuff. 
um, like maybe just like one little one lines that like work where it's instead of ex- overly explaining stuff, it just gets to the point and, and, and it's humorous and funny. Like when uh, Grace starts taking apart um, uh, uh, Sarah Connor's phone and like starts like finger hacking it or something with her thumb. And then she goes like, what are you doing? And she goes like, oh, I'm doing future shit. You know, like, I, yeah, that's so much better than having to explain, like, I'm reconnecting with the interface via this, my thumb implant, you know, like, who cares? You know, it's just like, just get to the point. I'll agree with you. However, that sort of, after the kind of introductions and everything, that became Grace's kind of hallmark is saying, like, zingers like that. And it made yeah. her come off as, uh, I guess immature. Right. Or like, I don't know, like maybe it, it just made me feel like, well, maybe you're not ready for like the job that you've been assigned to. Cause you're just being like sarcastic and I, I don't yeah, know. but I, I can kind of see like, that's something I kind of identify with. Cause I'm like, I can see myself being from the future. And if I was being questioned about like, well, why should we do this? Like, because I'm from the fucking future. Yeah. Like, how do you know how to do this? Like I'm from like how many times do I have to explain I'm from the future and I know what happens? You know, like why are you questioning the person who has future insights and like future and knows how future technology works and also just knows the history that has unfolded because I've I'm I've already watched it happen. That's true. I I would see myself getting incredibly annoyed every time someone goes like, well, are you sure that's how it works? Or well, wait is the future that i'm like yes yes i it is i'm i'm from there um this is how future science works this is what the timeline is i i i I was there there's one later on where somebody asks her like uh what are you and she's like or can i ask what you are and she's like no yeah and i was like but you just like got done explaining that to like 10 different people like what do you what do you care now well, th- that's because that's when she meets uh, our mysterious Terminator. Carl. Carl. Um, which is my favorite part of the movie. It's incredible. This, I don't think we should t- talk about it yet, though. Because okay. I feel like that's, that's kind of the okay. best thing. But Yeah. Uh, we'll right out of that. the gate, though, like I was, like I said, I keep saying this was a second watch for me. And I would like just marveled at how well... Uh, the movie opens uh, really well and then introduces you, has that amazing scene, introduces you to the characters of Danny and her family, and then uh, the Rev 9 shows up and there's immediately a an awesome fight scene inside the car factory. That's great. It's very visceral. Holy like, you shit. Feel, you feel real contact and connection. You know, it doesn't, with the exception of a few of those, like we mentioned earlier, like crazy jumps, like speedy jumps and stuff. Yeah, but for the most part, man, it's like it's massive tactile. In, impacts into walls. And it's like uh, uh, Grace gets hold of a sledgehammer and just is beating the shit out of uh, the Rev mm-hmm. 9. There's even some like wild camera movements instead of being like gimmicky they're very impressive and add a lot to the action and you yeah. see that that also comes up uh later on in the big as they exit that fight scene there's a big car chase that's just fucking unbelievable 
like the action direction from the the fight scenes to the vehicle chases is like top tier in this movie dude that that car chase is that immediately follows after that is great then it turns into another like fight right after that which is also great by the halfway point in this movie i was like get me off of this thing like yeah. I'm I don't know if I can take much more of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scene like the scene in the the tension center is so like intense and like may may like mayhem but not in like like I still know what's going on but like it's just happening in the midst of mayhem. Uh the air even the airplane stuff which you know I borders on being overblown is still predominantly like really good there's some times where it feels a little too obvious that i'm just watching people uh on a green screen with like cgi planes falling past them sure but like 90 percent of it still lands uh no pun intended like i said tactile visceralness of it like carries the parts that are perhaps a little bit more unbelievable or maybe have some like obvious special effects to them. Like that part where Arnold holds down the Rev nine and is just unloading a machine gun into his face. And it's, oh, it's he's essentially unfazed. And, oh man, like the, 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 the Rev nine just stripping his flesh from his arm, like instantly. That's great. They get some pretty great fight scenes together. I'm not super into the zero gravity section. I'm just mm-hmm. not, that just doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. In most cases, I think like uh, the X sequel, yeah, had a uh, a similar scene that I actually liked a lot better because it was yeah. less like we're floating around in space, and it was more like um, it, it they did the effect of sort of when um, an elevator uh, right loses like it's, like, its brakes. Yeah, there's like drops and stops and drops, and yeah, plus it's Donnie Yen, so I mean, like, yeah, but you feel the weight more. This yeah. was like definitely like there wasn't much weight to anything; everything was just sort of floating around, and so I wasn't that thrilled by it. But yeah, like the the sort of the fights between the uh, Arnold and the Rev Nine are like real fucking meaty, uh, mm-hmm. and and just like tons of like strong impacts, and you feel like they're really taking some damage. It's great. You also get some fun stuff with uh, recreating some scenes from previous Terminator movies. Uh, like when Linda Hamilton is standing out uh, out of the back of the plane and uh, the uh, Rev-9 is chasing in the mm-hmm. in that drone and she's kind of firing out the back, like mimicking when they were in the SWAT van and the T-1000 was attacking with the helicopter. Yeah. And you get uh, Terminator... Uh, the Terminator wraps his arm around Linda Hamilton and puts his back out to protect her the same mm-hmm. way he did with uh, John in Terminator yeah. 2. There's lots of cool stuff like that uh, that if you're a you know a big fan who's seen Terminator 2 a thousand times, like you'll notice. And it doesn't linger on it, so it's not like it's a gratuitous. No, if you, if you have yeah. no pre-existing knowledge of it, it'll just be you know, part of the action, but yeah. Cause uh, sometimes in that stuff, you can tell, like I haven't seen the previous movie, but I'm positive that this is some sort of a reference to it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Even They're the not... final fight, which I, f- I wholly expected the final fight to be disappointing. And it wasn't, it was great. Well, that, and that one really connects on like 
the way a fight scene really should be, it should be more about like the dynamics between the characters rather than the actual choreography. Like the choreography can enhance it, but it's not the, as, as important as the what's going on narratively. There's a narrative point to that final fight scene, and it and it delivers on several key moments and plot points that we've been introduced to earlier. So. When everybody kind of gets their payoff, right? I like. Exactly. I was like, yep. "Oh, there's too many people. You've got this like Terminator uh, sort of protection squad," but at the same time, like Grace plays her role uh, perfectly. Uh, Arnold plays his role, uh, and even Linda Hamilton, who is an elderly woman, just an elderly woman with a gun, uh, still gets to play her role. Well, you know, and that's the thing too. It's like. How many movies have we seen where like an old guy in their sixties is a gun is in a gun and kicking ass? But the notion has always been ridiculous that an older woman could do that. And what this movie so easily proves is that idea is, of course, bullshit. Like this is one of the best action performances of recent years. Inside the uh, sort of turbine room in a in a major dam which is super cool and I mean they're they're out of completely out of options they're desperate for survival uh you know Grace has a chain and uh Sarah Connor has guns and uh the Terminator is the Terminator and it's it's a, a fight to the finish and it uh it ends with the Rev 9 being you know they have to sacrifice Grace obviously but the the when they put the Rev Nine into the fucking turbine, mm-hmm. uh, it's there's some incredible shots. Yes, absolutely unreal. I've never seen anything like it. Like I don't, I I get like some of the backlash against this movie, but man, there there's so many things that are just well executed that it's it's really hard to stay mad. Yeah, I mean. There's some legitimate complaints about this movie, but there's all the most of the complaints I think are like beyond illegitimate. Uh, yeah, it's just pouting kid shit. It's pouting kid shit, and then it's also just like obvious sexism and obvious racism too, are like the major uh, complaints about this movie. And then there's also just like the critical complaints that are just like I feel like I have to say it, the sixth Terminator movie is not very good. Yeah. Well, and also, we to- you, you have to consider, too, like, and I don't think anyone really does, or at least most people don't, that just because something didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Right. Right? Like, James oh, yeah. Cameron gave his stamp of approval on this movie and actually had a lot of his his involvement co- in it. Yeah, co-wrote the story, worked in, in the editing process. Yeah, and so like just because it doesn't look exactly like Terminator 2 doesn't mean that it's not good. And I mean is is that even what you want? Like I don't want these movies to be carbon copies of each other. What's so cool about the first one and the second one because the, like we said earlier the first one kind of has a horror movie vibe and it's incredibly gritty and like raw and like heartless and uh, like desperate, you know, like there's no, like even, there's no, like there doesn't even seem like there's the possibility of hope in it, you know, yeah, like yeah. even the romance, the romance between uh, Kyle Reese and, and Sarah Connor feels like this romance of desperation. Oh, it's just 100%. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
it's not it's not like this traditional just like wow we really met and you know bonded and it's just like man like we're gonna die so let's like pretend we're in love and fuck you yeah know? and she feels sorry for him being tasked with this mission after yeah. coming from a fucking garbage future where he grew up in essentially a landfill yeah and like yeah man it's but then <laughs> and then but then the next one is all out action sci-fi you know but then you also have sarah connor like musing on sort of the nature of uh existence and what it means to be human and all of these things and like learning these lessons yeah and then and then then it ends kind of in a hopeful way well and john connor's character like you know as annoying as he can be sometimes represents this concept of like hope and positivity and change so you have these two very contrasting movies that are one stylistically and even thematically sometimes very different but have enough of the same connective dna that they create like a a grander whole why would i want my sequels to those movies to be just re complete retreads and i do think the plot the premise setup of terminator dark fate is kind of just a rehash of terminator 2 setup to a certain degree, but still injects enough new ideas and new style and changes that it feels like its own movie. One thing that sort of older grumpy fans can't admit to is that, you know, I've sort of admitted this to myself. Like if somebody puts out an alien movie or a Terminator movie or something like that, I'm going to fucking watch it. I'm just going to watch it. That's just who I am. I have cared enough about these franchises and grown up with them and all of that shit. So I'm going to watch it whether it's good or not. But then it's up to me to understand, is this a tired concept? Has this franchise just exhausted itself? Right. In many cases, yes. So at that point, then I have to look at the movie differently. And I did this with Alien Covenant. Because the first time I saw it, there was some things I liked about it, but I was like, this thing's fucking nuts. This thing's so far off its ass. I don't know what the hell they're doing. This is fucking horseshit. And then I got all of those feelings out of the way, and I was like, wait a second. This can never go back. This can never go back to the movies that I remember and that I have loved, and I need to start looking at these movies for what they are and where they're heading and just kind of accept that, like, we're not going to get back what what we had previously. And so by changing my perspective, I'm able to, like, open myself up and be like, wait a second, wait a second. I can enjoy this movie with albino aliens and fucking, uh, you know, robots kissing and then battling to the death and just all kinds of nutty shit. Completely. I can, I can do that. Completely. And then also like to that point of like, is it like you just said, like, is this a tired concept? Is it, is it whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine this movie, Dark Fate, if no other Terminator movies had come out between Terminator 2 and this one. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a 25-year-ish gap between it instead of a new Terminator movie coming out every three to five years. Like... One, we would not have like maybe this fatigue of just seeing like, I've seen so many Terminator movies and they haven't been good, you know, particularly since, you know, Genesis coming out just a couple years before this one, you know, and 
you come in with it with this gap and and it's and you're like you're ex- more excited for for this to begin with it's a fresh it's has some fresh ideas to it and it explores concepts we haven't seen before in the franchise what would your how would you how would you react to this movie differently given that scenario where there isn't all these other movies in between i'm guaranteed there would be plenty of people who would be complaining about the same things but it would definitely feel fresher and more exciting, you know, at the same time. So there would be, I think the overall response would have been much better. Oh, definitely. And uh, actually one of the fresher ideas, and I think you'll agree is uh, even though Danny is the focus and this idea of like, Oh, it's not the the kid of somebody like you're the, you're the one who's going to lead us. You're the one who's going to save humanity. And so Mm -hmm. we have to protect you. But it's what becomes of the relationship between Sarah Connor and this surviving Terminator. Because it's not just like uh, Terminator 2 where she had PTSD from her initial contact with the Terminator. And so she's doesn't want to trust uh, this new Terminator, even though he's visibly programmed to protect her son. And right. eventually, you know, she warms up to him and they, they have kind of a mutual respect. This is like... She hate she watched this same Terminator kill her son and and do the thing that she initially had feared, right? So not only is it ruined her life and 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 all that, but this is a betrayal. Right? Because she's yeah. looking at the same face that that essentially protected her son and now it right. is responsible for his death. And now she's expected to uh seek help. And accept help from this same Terminator. And that's, yeah, and that's the, the Carl we keep talking about, the best part of the movie, which is, like you said, the Terminator that kills her son at the beginning of the movie. He just sort all, of wanders off when he's Wanders done. off, kills him, wanders off, doesn't bother with her. Like, she's out, she's not important anymore. Wanders off. And I'd love to up. see what happens in between. I mean, there he offers some exposition as far as what happened, but I'd love to see that as a... I don't oh, know, a short or whatever. No, not a short. What he describes from the moment the... he leaves that beach, where does he go? What does he do? That is that is the movie I like. I said I love this movie. It's great. The, the Terminator movie I want to see is that one, and it's the one that, of course, would never would have gotten made. The Adventures but of it, Carl. The Adventures <laughs> of Carl. But like, but yeah, that's the thing. So like, this Terminator kills Sarah Connor's son, wanders off. He doesn't show up again until halfway through the movie, which I really appreciate that fact of the movie that they had the good sense and the with strength to not uh, forcibly inject Arnold Schwarzenegger's character into the movie earlier. He doesn't show up as a significant character uh, or with screen time on, uh, until halfway through the movie, about halfway through. Like obviously, there's the flashback scene where he does the killing. But then when he comes back, it's we're well into halfway of the movie. And narratively, that makes so much more sense than trying to shoehorn in the big star earlier. But we, we yeah, we meet back up with the same Terminator that killed her son. And now he is appearing as an ally. And there's a lot of explanation as to why he's, you know, he's changed and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yes, her trust level is a big portion of it. But the dynamics that are set up past that 
are what really give this movie new life. And also the concepts, like you said, in his explanation of what happened to him after he killed John is so intriguing that I do want it to be its own movie. And that would be, frankly, a much, like I said, love this one, but a much more interesting movie would have been that. Oh, it's so much fun to listen to him. Because he basically explains, like, after he killed John, he was without purpose. He had completed his mission, and he's just wandering around. He can't go back. He can't shut. He can't self-terminate. So he's just Terminator, cruising uh, the world, just observing and collecting data, and understanding better understanding human nature and human behavior. And then he meets a woman with a small child, like a baby, who has an abusive husband, and his new mission becomes to protect her. He just takes. He just decides to take it on as a purpose, and through that, and then. His next mission after that is to help raise the child. It, exactly. It, it, even though the, the path to get there was different, much like the Terminator in Terminator 2, he understands the value of human life. Yes. And he's, and Sarah Connor asked him, like, what, so you grew a conscience? Or maybe it's Grace who asked, asked him. He goes, I, the, the, he goes, I have the equivalent of what you would call a conscience. You know, <laughs> it's not the same thing, but he has an understanding and cares and even says one point Danny says do you love your family he goes yes but not the same way that humans can love I used to think that it, that was an advantage but I realize now that it's not oh god you know and what a, like I mean like yes this is an silly action movie and stuff and whatnot but like there are some like the way those concepts are delivered are genuinely really good yeah like, these, like th- these are delivered in such a way that it seems you know, like that it would be in like a, a headier, less action oriented movie. And I, yeah, I want to see that story about what he did um, a, a, as, you know, a, a, after he killed John and taking care of his life. And then we meet up at this point and then what is the adventure now? It's something perhaps completely different that is not about saving the universe or the new hu- human savior of humanity. It's who knows what it's about, but yeah, that, that's these are the concepts in the movie that really elevate this. Yeah, it's such a great way to just reiterate that one of the final lines from Terminator Two, where Arnold says, uh, "I know now why you cry, but it's something I can never do." Mm-hmm. Well, he in this he figures out how to do it, but he understands the limitation to right. what he's capable of, and that's heartbreaking. Yeah, because like you, you you know you spend all of this time immersing yourself and and learning, and, and it's such a transformative process. But there's still a ceiling to it. He's still just a machine. And then there's like this the the scene where like where like his he's taken on a job he started a business as someone who installs drapes like and he's taught it's it's, a, it's kind of meant played for laughs but this scene where he's talking about like his process of like how you pick the proper drapes for the proper place and like how a client wanted these type of drapes for his little girl's room and he goes like that's all wrong you know and it's a funny scene but it also works and plays into his character very well like it's very telling of the journey he's been on in this 
and it's delivered into this little throwaway gag line, you know? Yeah, it really helps humanize him. The the writing in the writing in his scenes I kind of feel like there's a few different screenwriters that worked on this and you know the rewrites and stuff. I kind of felt I kind of get the feeling that his character was probably underwritten in the first draft and whoever did the rewrite saw looked at it and said like there's something going on here and really focused their attention on beefing up that portion of the story and not so much the other parts because like I said the whole the whole story is good. The whole story is solid, solid, but that portion of it is so good that it transcends the rest of the movie. And half the fun of watching uh, this the movie kind of move into the third act is uh, the continued interaction between Sarah Connor and this Terminator. Because despite hearing all of this, despite uh, you know understanding this, she is still so like broken and bitter and grieving, and she's looking at the murderer of her son and doesn't trust him. And her goal, her you know, she says it plainly, when this is all over, I'm still going to kill you. Yeah. And he goes, understood. And then, oh man, I'm backtracking a little bit just to like, there's scene, like the scene where Sarah Connor shoots him, right? In the chest, right when they first meet. And he goes, oh, this is going to be really hard to explain to Maria, like his wife <laughs> character. And it's for laughs, but it actually works into another part of the story that we find out about a little bit later. Because after he's explained his full connection to these people, uh, Sarah Connor goes like, and what? She doesn't realize that you're you a robot? You 400 pounds. pounds you, know, you never sleep and like all this stuff. And he goes, our relationship is not physical. You know, like uh, she likes these things about me that oh, I am he's like, like reliable. Reliable, a good listener, excellent at changing diapers without complaining. And I'm hilarious. You know, I'm <laughs> extremely funny. And which is kind of another gag line, but also makes me go like, I want to know more about this story. You know, yeah. like it, it, it paints a picture in my head where I'm like, I'm thinking about the relationship they had and at what point did she start to suspect that this guy is certainly not human, yeah. you know? And how did she cope with that? And like, what is, how does she react to it? Because at my on the first watch, when he's like going away, you know, with the, with this new group and saying goodbye to his, his adopted son and Maria and like, essentially Alicia. Same, yeah. Uh, it's not Maria, it's Alicia? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Whoopsie. I hate the way he pronounces every single letter in yeah. Alicia. Oh, okay. Mar- you're thinking of Maria, his actual wife at one point. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're totally right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, like when I was saying, when the first time that I watched it, I thought it was kind of like a little too simple. It was like she's giving him a hug and giving his son a hug. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm going off on a suicide mission. But it's kind of like he goes. He has does have the line. He goes like, "What did she?" Someone asks, "Like, what did you tell him?" He's like, "I told him that the day might always that might come has come, and my past has come back to ca- to catch up with me." Yeah. And knowing if you know that your partner, like, or at least have suspicions, like he's told her stuff, like, "Yeah, I've did some sketchy stuff in the past." We don't know what, to what extent he's divulged, but she clearly has some awareness that he was like a has a history and then you start to suspect that this person is not human okay and if he's not human what is he and like okay maybe he's a robot like the internal processes you've had to have had at that point already 
like you were as prepared as you could be for the day that your robot husband has to go on a robot suicide mission, you know? One, what, what, yeah, what has he disclosed? Yeah. And what has she found out? And what does all of that look like? What do those conversations sound like? Mm hmm. And his character, I mean, his character, too, has without question the fullest arc, even though he's a supporting character and comes back because we have the knowledge of the previous films and the previous characters and the action he, that this particular Terminator at the beginning he has a complete arc of realizing right from wrong, redemption, and sacrifice. You know, like this character is so well realized and so well sold in the movie that it becomes, while he's not the the protagonist, he is without question the heart of the film. Yeah, I can't really add much more to that. You said it perfectly. It, it so, was a real, like, it was a real surprise to get, I mean, I, I, I still remember the moment when all of that unfolded and I was just, like, mesmerized. And, like, I don't think it's kind of a rare thing, uh, especially modern movies, to be that kind of blown away by yeah. a piece of story. Especially well, remember... in a genre movie, kind of where you've, you know, if you're someone who watches genre movies, you think you've seen it all. Yeah. And, and well, there's and very I'm... few things that can really, like, shock in, you. In the in the previous one, Terminator Genesis, like, they have certainly have developed between Sarah Connor and the, uh, the Pops Terminator character, this father-daughter relationship. But it's it's without the same gravity and weight, you know? It's this Terminator doing something horrible and then doing something good as both as, you know, perceived missions. Yeah, it's very that, linear. I mean, you, know, you the, get the cool image of him, you know, saving her as a little girl yeah. and kind of taking her off to raise her and whatever. And that also, you know, is kind of intriguing, but it's not as, they they don't give you as many sort of breadcrumbs as they do or um, kind of the emotion, like it, it really is like, oh, I just saved her and became her dad. Yeah. And that's it. It's, 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 I don't want to say it's like, but he's also still very like Terminator like, right? He didn't, you don't really see too much growth or change or, uh, advancement of the personality. Every time he's trying to do something more human, like take a, like, like be friendly or tell a joke. It's almost always just played for a cheap gag. The one scene in it that I think uh, that works in Genesis really well is that like, it's like, there's kind of like this competition between uh, him and Kyle Reese to see who can load like me- gun magazines the fastest, like where there's a, a definite like uh, male posturing moment going on. Oh, sure. Um, and that works. But yeah, it's not, it's not as well, nearly as well realized as in yeah. Dark Fate. And I remember in the trailer for it, there was like a line where, uh, where they first encounter the Carl character. And I think it's a, uh, uh, Grace, the Grace character says, so you're a Terminator? And he goes, yes, but I'm not what I seem. And I remember rolling my eyes at that line in the trailer because I'm like, oh my God, what's it going to be? Just like, I'm a Terminator, but I have the memory of Kyle Reese implanted into me, you know, right. or something. And then when you actually see what that means in the movie, 
Uh, yeah, like you just said, it was like breathtaking, you know, like. See, I totally you... missed that in the trailer. I When I saw the trailer, I thought he was going to be like, he was going to be a human, but he was either uh-huh. going to be the uh, the guy who cooked up the the uh, Terminators or uh-huh. he was going to be the, you know, the model or some kind of like, uh, you know, human robot hybrid kind of thing mm-hmm. where he's going to be like the key to it all kind of right. a scenario. Yeah, but still something kind of just like, at this point, that would feel so redundant and cliche. Yeah, just shoehorned in. Yeah, man, man, what I'm talking about this movie, I like it even more, man. Yeah, yeah, I remember like while I was watching, I was like, you know, some of the gripes that I still have uh, are here, uh, specifically Linda Hamilton being like really abrasive and kind of obnoxious uh, through a good portion of the movie, uh, but at the same time, like there are a lot of good. Like, so many good qualities to this movie. The fact that there's so many sort of uh, content pieces about it as, like, the end of the Terminator franchise and a total failure and all this stuff. I just think people don't look at movies through fresh eyes. It's it's the same, and it's probably the same, you know, I'm guilty of it, too. It's the same reaction I had to The Green Knight where I expected it to be one way and I was waiting for it to kind of conform to my, how I was thinking and it didn't and it bothered me. Mm-hmm. And I like, I took it personally for no good reason. I was like, right. very much me in this movie had a real, a real fucking uh, hard time seeing eye to eye, but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad movie. Do you think of that, like that one specifically, do you think if, you went and revisited it. Do you think you might like it more or is, is, was it just too abrasive for you in that, in that respect? I think that things that I, I that bothered me about it will still bother me, but ultimately I think it came together and, mm-hmm. and was very satisfied by the end. Uh, but I would still sort of prefer it was a little bit of a different movie. Yeah. So, but I understand that that's my, that's a preference and not necessarily like, this movie doesn't doesn't work or is bad. But in this case, in Terminator, it's different because you get so much of the shit that you want from a Terminator movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of it that's there. And the, you know, kind of the dumb superficial complaints like, you know, the fact that it's set in Mexico City or that there's too many girls in it or whatever the fuck people say. I think that stuff is you know, like you're you're not giving this movie enough of your attention if that's right. the case. Well, I mean, in that respect too, like the the ones you just said, like that's just straight up like being a being an asshole. You know, like that's a lot of the like if you look at like um, IMDb reviews or something like that, a lot of it is stuff like that where it's just like, oh, just what happened to the guys? Is it just a chick fest or? You know, like, I'm not racist, but why does everything have to be PC? They had to make this movie PC by putting Mexican characters in it. And it's like, well, if you're not racist, why do you care? There's, It's like, I'm not racist unless the Mexicans are in my movie that I want to watch. It's like, no, you're just a racist, dude. Like, the movie's not PC. It just has characters that are not white in it. Well, it also, like, you know, it's not like they were just put there for no reason, right? It, like, yeah. literally pays off. And there's an awesome bit of them, like, crossing the border into Texas. Like, it all has yeah. a point to it and is, like, 
is great and like the none of it is like uh just there for a superficial reason it's all like realistic and grounded and with purpose so it's like it's it's hard to have any sort of criticism like it's just a new way to look at movies and casting movies and presenting stories absolutely yeah this movie has the lowest IMDb score of any Terminator movie, which is just... That's sh- fucking impossible. That's nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Check this out, all right? Genesis has to be more hated. No. That's Check this crazy. Out. The first Terminator has an 8.0 on IMDb. Terminator 2, 8.5. Terminator 3... 6.3, Terminator Salvation, 6.5, Terminator Genesis, 6.3, Terminator Dark Fate, 6.2. Now, it's not the lowest by a lot, but it is still the lowest. And That's this is to wild. Me, it's insane. And I mean, it's like, it, it's a combination of like the things we just talked about, just assholes who are just bigoted in some fashion. But then also probably a lot of people who have franchise fatigue. There was just a movie that came out about it, you know, a couple years later that there was that one was ignored. And if you're like maybe a more casual like movie goer, you're not a huge fan of the franchise. If you go and see Terminator Genesis and then two years later you go and see Dark Fate expecting it to be a sequel to Terminator Genesis, you're probably going to be like, what? Oh, yeah. None of it makes any fucking sense. You know, so it's like. It's like if you watch the middle movie in a trilogy and we're just like, ah, I don't get it. Like, why do people like this? It's like, well, you're only watching, you're watching the middle portion of a whole story. Like you, it's out of context. Yeah. And that's where I feel like Halloween did probably the best job of this sort of sequel to a movie that came out 40 years ago, Mm -hmm. but also kind of a reboot. Like it was so well executed that you could go in completely blind uh, and still have a understand yes pretty pretty ideal understanding of what was occurring versus i actually think dark fate has a lot more is is more for fans than Mm -hmm. even like any of the other movies well that's it's it's just it's this impossible thing like give me what i want no not like that yes it's (laughs) like i want this thing to be exactly like the thing i had before but i want it to be completely different yeah you know it's like it's like remember the Oh, the, like, the, the Simpsons? Yes, yes, yeah. where it's like, do you want your your cartoon characters to be grounded down to earth? Or down to earth and relatable, just like you, but also getting into wacky outer space adventures. Yeah, and like the kids you go like, yes, I want that equally to both. And yeah, like, and the guy flips the light on. <laughs> he's, like, like, <laughs> he's like, you don't know what you want. That's why you're kids, because you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I feel about movie fans. <laughs> uh, totally. I'm going to actually... Like, I'm going to grab that audio clip and I'm going to put it in right here. Okay, how many of you kids would like Itchy and Scratchy to deal with real life problems like the ones you face every day? And who would like to see them do just the opposite, getting into far out situations involving robots and magic powers? So you want a realistic, down to earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. That's No, and Um, can you imagine being someone like that and not like stopping yourself and being like, what the fuck am I doing? I can't enjoy anything. They enjoy the not enjoyment. 
Yeah. I mean, it does. Listen, listen. I am no stranger to complaining. I love to complain, and it's easy to just immediately shit on things. And in fact, like the first time I saw this movie, I remember being like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Everything else, if only it was this way, if only it was that way. Why did they do this? Why did they have to do that? I mean, how many times, like in our, obviously this, our podcast has a particular theme, so we're only trying to talk about mostly about movies that we like, or at least one of us likes that, you know, so we're trying to not complain. But in our just other conversations and stuff, she's like, did you see this pile of shit? And it's like, I watched the whole thing for some reason. I'm pissed off about it. You know? I'll, I'll always get all the way through a piece of yeah. shit movie just to see it through to the end. But yeah, there's tons of movies that I don't like. You know, I remember when the Fast and Furious movies started. I was like, holy shit, these are fucking the dumbest, like, flash in the pan, lowbrow, like, trendy, just garbage bullshit. Well, guess what? I was fucking wrong. I was wrong. Well, you're definitely right about the first movie. Not only are they timeless, despite being outdated, like they somehow they are both, that, that franchise has continued and been a fucking monster, an absolute mm-hmm. monster of a franchise that people it's are also, crazy it's like, for. It's so far removed from like it's the first you know, movie, and even the, the first couple sequels are far removed from the first movie. That it's like, it, it, yes, it's the same franchise, but you you look at you can look at it as a completely different thing, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you go back and watch the old ones too, and they're so cartoony, but they're fun. Like, I love watching Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, like if that's on TV, I'll fucking watch it. I would. I have not seen the first one uh, since it came out, which I fucking hated it when it came out. I could see myself enjoying it as like a campy, like a, f- a glimpse of like a horrible time, you know. Yeah, I mean, but there are there aren't too many action movies that are like it, mm-hmm. and the ones that are don't have the same charm, right? So, like all those like uh, motorcycle movies that came out not too long after, like Biker Boys. Yeah, uh, it, it's same. It's same shit, same formula. Just doesn't have the quite same charm. I don't think the first one really has charm, though. Okay, like the, okay. The, Here the, we go. Uh, next time on the trash heap. Oh no! The the Fast and the Furious is that what the name of it is? Uh, that is the name of the first one. Yes. The qu- the quickly moving drivers of cars. Oh my god! No, I don't know. I think I can do this, man. All right. Well, if you haven't seen it, I mean, this could no, be. No, I ha- I have seen it. Oh okay. I'm saying I've seen it, and I don't think the first one possesses charm. Oh. I think later on in the series, like I said, I could go. Ba- I think I could go back and enjoy the first one as a novelty of all these things I hate. You know. Uh, and these like like you said, tre- like trendy things and trends, movie trends of the of the moment, as like this kind of like a time oddity, capsule. A time capsule, yes, I could enjoy it like that in a in a cringy way. But I I think the movie is completely la- that one is completely lacking in charm, uh, relatable characters, well shot scenes, um, pretty much everything. Huh. Uh, but I but I agree. But I agree. I will agree with you. I have not been someone who watches watched every single sequel, but the sequels are fun. I will say yeah. Hobbs and Shaw was a piece of dog shit. Oh, I hated Hobbs and Shaw. fucking offensive, like mm-hmm. offensively bad. That is I'm one, not I, sure who that movie was made for other than... It was made for... Uh, Jason, uh, Jason Statham and The Rock. That's who it was made for. They're like, hey... Unquestionably. They're like, oh, we can't wait to sit down and watch ourselves. <laughs> it's like, just like, we're going to have a movie where we're just going to talk about 
our penis, how big our penises oh, is. God, Literally, the, the fucking jokes and just the oh god. It was oh, in, god. it was like I thought baffling. the trailer looked great. I was yeah, like, was oh, gonna this movie's like, gonna be fucking awesome. It's gonna be more self-aware. It's gonna be like more. It's gonna be more of a you know like there's funny stuff in all of them, but there's they're not gonna take anything serious. There's uh, 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 I just I was a robot or something like. This is this is crazy, and then I was watching. It, and it was just like so bland, and so dull. Um, I was rooting for Idris Elba to fucking kill them both. Yeah, and he failed. And it, the action scenes weren't good. Like I hated it. No, I it was it was cartoony, but not in a fun way. Yeah. I actually walked out of the theater in that one. Oh man, I've only done that twice, and. I was one of them. I don't think I've finished every single movie I've ever watched on television, right. but yeah. So going back to the uh, the scores real quick, I just want to uh, drop this little nugget on Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter score for Dark Fate is seventy percent, hmm. which is fair. I think that's that, not bad. That's fair. The audience score is eighty-two percent off really? of ten thousand plus ratings interesting and what's that compared to like genesis or oh i don't know i'm not gonna look all that shit up but all right fine but that's interesting and i think that that kind of the some of the stuff we've been talking about is i mean this is just conjecture but i feel like that's people sort of turned a corner on it or were like well wait a second i also just realized i think i called the the uh and the the new the Rev Nine that I think I named said the actor's name was Diego Luna and that's a completely different actor that's the guy who plays Cassian in Rogue One and is in E Two Mama Tampion it's Gabrielle oh, Luna I've been mixing up names all night all day that's hard to keep track of uh, movie trivia but he's kind of a toss up in some ways he's good in some ways he's not good but he's not bad. There's not a ton of bad in this movie. I mean, like, we don't even need to talk about it. You know, no, sometimes I mean, it's fun to just be like, here's the shit that was fucking yeah. awesome. Because yeah, it really, true. like, every time I watch this movie, I just marvel at the action and some of these story and character beats and and plot developments. And, man, pretty dang good. There's one thing bad that I do want to comment on. Uh, the flash-forward scene to the future where Danny... Uh, like re like is like oh saves the hum- grace it saves grace and is getting the humans to like put down their weapons against each other and fight the machines yeah is atrocious no it's not atrocious it's not good. it's atrocious and it's not even like you need a scene that scene in there but just execute it better you do not need that scene in any form in the movie. No, the the funny thing is the movie does a better job of showing her growing into that person than that scene does. You can tell that that scene was shot before uh the final fight. Because she yes. is she's reaching for uh moments and facial expressions and and areas of her performance that are not present in that scene at all. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like the, the the writing in it. It's just like you got the f- machines want us to fight each other. Like, do you want to fight each other or do you want to fight the machines? And like, they're about to like murder this little girl, and they're like, 
she's right we shouldn't murder and eat this little girl it's such a cliched like apocalyptic like we've resorted to eating people and we're roving bandits like the shit you've seen a million times and yeah whatever she says is just not they would they would still be delirious with hunger and they would just be like no we're still gonna try and eat her we'll probably eat you too we're really (laughs) right exactly Yeah, exactly. It's, ah, oh God, that's awful. Um, but yes, I mean, like, there's some other things. I do think, like, there's some, like, weird stuff with her, with Danny's character arc that's kind of uh, at, at opposition to each other. But, you know, frankly, she's not even, I mean, like, she is the, in a sense, the protagonist, as in uh, the story revolves around here. But the story is really much more about Grace, you know, her, her mission, like, her, to, her, to to the world and to herself and the dynamic between uh, Carl and, and uh, Sarah Connor. So Yeah, Danny is unfortunately just a plot device. Yeah. So, like, that's, yeah, that is unfortunate. Yeah, you're right. That's unfortunate. Or maybe let her be more of a plot device and, and not try and make her be as much of a character. I mean, like, John Connor in Terminator 2 is not the main character. I mean, there's, he has an arc for sure. But it's not the movie is about protecting him, but it's not about him per se. No, I mean it's really about Sarah, right? Yes. Yeah, it's one hundred percent about Sarah. Um, I mean, like, there, like I said, there's definitely an arc to John Connor in Terminator Two, but it's he's a secondary, he's essentially a secondary character. But wow, what a great movie overall! Yeah, shit, man, I like this movie more than I did a week ago. There so, you go. A, a credit to who the fuck directed this? Tim Miller. He's directed this and Deadpool, which was wildly popular, and I do not like that movie. So, but the action was really good in that movie. Some of it was. I mean, it got to be fairly repetitive, but yeah. Uh, I mean, here he's definitely at the top of his game. Uh, I think he also helped out with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. What? I think like he, he did he like, was like effects supervisor or something like that. Oh, weird. Yeah, he's got a, like a cool resume. It's like pretty short, but he's done done some things. Hmm. But go see Dark Dark Fate if you haven't. Yeah, Terminator uh, Dark Fate. And if you got a problem with it, let's talk about it. Let's yeah. fight in the street. Let's argue in an alley about mm-hmm. it. That's how I prefer to discuss movies. In alleys? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. Damn straight. Man, it's mm-hmm. been a long, strange trip on this sci-fi summer. Yeah. I'm glad we ended, like, kind of where we started. I mean, let's just, like, recap real quick. Like, what what movies have we gone through? We started with, essentially... A fake sci-fi movie. Well, officially, uh, sci-fi summer didn't start until junior. However, if you look back, if you go all the way back... You could argue, you could make a case that Sci-Fi Summer started with episode 28 about Highlander, right? Oh, that's true, yeah. You could argue that because right after Highlander, we kicked it into gear with the Egg Chronicles talking about the Alien series, right? Going through all of those movies. And then once the Egg Chronicles came to a close, then we started, then we officially made it known that Sci-Fi Summer was kicking off with Junior, uh, then we did Predestination, which was... What a movie. Uh, that was a, tr- a real treat. Then we did Dreamscape, which, you know, ruined everyone's lives. 
Mm-hmm. Then we did Ghost in the Machine, which was kind of a pleasant surprise. I loved it. It's nothing it was fun. too. Then we got to visit uh, the Matrix Reloaded and and also uh, other parts of that series. We got to have Chad Opitz on to talk Alien Nation, which was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, then we got to get real fired up about Beyond the Black Rainbow, which that was another another treat. And, uh, you know, even the Country Bears, while I was not much of a fan, <laughs> I find myself going back and watching some of the videos of the Country Bears performances. So I don't know. Ask me again in five years, and I might have a completely different opinion You're about gonna be that a, a, a Country Bears mega fan? I might be. Like, I know I talked a lot of shit about this back in the day, but like there just hasn't ever been a movie like this before or since. Hey, man. Country if you Bears, can man. change, and he can change, maybe we can all change. Boom. Uh, did, not a, did not a great man once say. Uh, maybe. Was that uh, that's Rocky Four? Rocky Four, yes. Let's not drag this out to Kingdom Come. Sci-Fi Summer is over. Thanks, everyone. It was a lot of fun. We got, I think we're going to do a special episode next that I've been wanting to do for a while. So stay tuned for that. Ooh, how exciting. We're done. Goodbye. Thanks, everybody, for listening up to this point. It's awesome to see uh, all the new folks from all over the country and beyond uh, checking the show out. So uh, thanks a lot for that. And, uh, you know, if you want to get notified about new episodes dropping, make sure you follow us on Instagram. Where do we post sporadically at Trash Heat Pod? And, uh, you know, tell your friends, subscribe, leave some ratings, and uh, let people know about the show if you like it. Uh, We like it. We're going to keep doing it for a while for the foreseeable future. As long as the internet is still functioning and there's no solar flares or EMPs that take the whole thing down. You never know. You never know. So, uh, yeah, can't say thank you enough. Good work, everyone. Good work to uh, you, Elliot. Good work to you. You're the guy. You you get up and you talk into the microphone and God, how would we do this without you? Oh, you'd find a way. <laughs> you like you hear about those uh Where do I find in, someone that sits up and talks? You hear about those uh sharks in Italy? They were in an aquarium recently, all female, gave birth to another shark. I mean, that's all well and good, but well, I mean, let me I'm, know when they give birth to a podcast. They don't well, be impressed. That, that's next. That's what I'm just saying, like like you don't need me. The sharks don't don't need me. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fade into existence. Like like Carl, my mission is over. I'm gonna have to figure out something else to do. Okay, that's that's enough. I'm leaving. Keith, you, what do we say? There is no fate but what we make. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Hasta la vista. See what I did there? That's good. I usually just say goodbye. Yeah. But then I used to quote from Oh, you yes. choice. You okay? They can destroy the look of the entire room.
Fine. There was this one customer that came to me. He wanted to have solid colored drapes in a little girl's room. I said, don't do it. Mm -hmm.